What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are two guys with a vibranium fetish with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm taking a vacation in Talocan this holiday season, actually. And I'm Austin Terry, and I tried to buy the Wakandan spear from that weird frat bro in She-Hulk. Wow. What a character. What a character. That's actually your favorite show of the year, right, Austin? Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, okay. On today's show, we are discussing the newest entry to the MCU, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. But before we get to that, Austin, do you think there are any secret civilizations out there that we don't know about? Well, I don't know if you know this, Matt, but there's apparently a weird conspiracy theory that there's like secret tunnels and like a satanic cult under the Denver airport. So I'm just going to go with that. I think there's a weird cult under the Denver airport. Wow. I'd like to check that out. The Denver airport does seem like it could be prime real estate for a satanic cult. (laughs) And there's not enough focus on Satan in the MCU, so let's get that in there, too. Yeah, we got to get that in there. Who would you cast as Satan, do you think? Timothy Chalamet. (laughs) Whoa. Wow. Do you want him to keep his curly hair? I do. I want him to be like a hot, teeny bopper Satan. That's what I want. That does seem like what Disney would do. (laughs) I think they would pull a move like that. All right. Or maybe they'll just do Harry Styles since he's in everything. Oh, God, no. Dude, we never talked about it on the show, but I saw Don't Worry Darling. He was quite literally terrible in it. (laughs) Well, then he went and spat on Chris Pine at their opening weekend. How dare he? How dare he? Well, I guess before we transition and change the show completely and talk about Don't Worry Darling and the Olivia Wilde scandal, let's go ahead and stick on topic with Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It's crazy to think it's already been four years since the first Black Panther. Um, definitely an MCU movie that's up there in my rankings. I just think, I don't know, it, it was the first time that I felt real issues were being tackled in an interesting way. And I think you got Killmonger in there as one of the most fascinating characters and antagonists we've ever had in the MCU. After Civil War, it was Chadwick Boseman's real kind of like full on introduction. Um, of course, he tragically passed away. And then they announced, you know, Black Panther 2 was not going to retain that title and they were going to go with Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I remember when they announced that, I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting because maybe that means they're going to let this movie be more just kind of about Wakanda in general. And we got to meet some great side characters in the first movie. So I think they'll get an expanded role. Um, It's certainly been a weird production and it's kind of that weird thing that you watch in the back of your head, like what a hard just <laughs> thing to deal with. So I guess credit to, you know, Ryan Coogler and the creatives and the filmmakers for, you know, creating a movie that kind of acknowledges what happened in real life and also pays tribute to it. Cause I feel like this movie is very much about grief that comes with death and comes with loss and how you move forward. So not only did it kind of, I think, acknowledge that in a very poignant way, but it also was able to make a movie that stood on its own out of that. So I don't know. Let's go ahead and get into it. I know it's kind of a, a weird and sad and interesting story behind the scenes. But yeah, Austin, let me know your expectations going in with all that you know being considered, as well as your non-spoiler thoughts on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. This movie was put in an impossible position with the sad passing of Chadwick Boseman. And I was really worried that there was going to be kind of like the Heath Ledger effect to The Dark Knight Rises, that we were going to have a similar thing um, in this movie where it just felt like a piece was missing. And that was my biggest thing was how are they going to tell the story effectively without like the lead of the movie and, and the Dark Knight Rises actually they lost a side character so they Black Panther Wakanda Forever had it even harder because they literally lost the centerpiece of their franchise so they were put in an impossible situation um, and just kind of going into my non-spoiler thoughts on this movie I want to come right out and say that I don't think this movie is bad I think it's very well made the performances are great 
the story for the most part stays interesting and carries its plot forward. But something about this movie just did not hit for me. I'm in a weird place where I, I really don't know what it is, but the, the best example I can give is there's a really cool set piece in the third act where all this action is taking place and it should be really exciting. And I just found myself thinking, why am I bored right now? Like something about this movie just did not retain my interest. I wasn't really like surprised in this movie and it, it kind of just felt like a, a run of the mill, straightforward MCU movie. It's not bad, but it just kind of gets us to the next project in the MCU that we're going to go to in, in the next line of films. I do think uh, Letitia Wright as our lead knocked it out of the park. She was put in a really tough spot to have to carry the franchise after being a side character. So I want to give props to her. Um, but overall, I, I was left just kind of a little hollow, I guess, leaving the film. And I, I still think it's, it's not a bad movie. Just for me, uh, nothing really sticked. And I, I wanted to love this movie. And I kind of came away a little bit underwhelmed. OK, yeah, um, I, I guess I'm definitely higher on it. I really did enjoy this movie. I thought it was really good. Um, I am very excited to talk about it with you, though, because I think this is a very ambitious film, and I think part of that is not only because of the story they were tackling, but kind of that combined with acknowledging the loss of T'Challa, I think, added this, I don't know, this kind of grand and epic scope, and a lot of that stuff really worked for me, but it's interesting because I think this movie takes way more big swings than most MCU movies, definitely a lot of the phase four projects, whether it be a movie or a TV show, this one is trying to do something um, bigger and different. And a lot of that worked, but the, the things that didn't work make it feel a little bit less than, I don't know, than some of those, but I, I really did enjoy it. What it comes down to for me, and maybe whenever we get to our kind of spoilery discussion, um, I don't know. I'm curious to see if you'll kind of figure out as we talk, maybe we align on some things and that'll make you realize, you know, why some things didn't work for you. But really, it comes down to side characters and some of the like plots associated with them, some of like the B and C plots. That's where the movie really kind of falls apart in some ways. Um, it's a two hour and 45 minute movie. I don't have problems with long run times. Like, yeah, this movie definitely, you know, it felt like a longer movie, but the thing that sucked about that is I think there was like an easy at least 25 minutes they could have just straight up cut out of the movie and it wouldn't have made any difference. Like there's some characters that while I enjoyed the performances, they just didn't need to be here and they didn't really add anything. And that's where I was like, oh, man, these like random storylines they're doing just kind of feel like what you were saying. It, it, it makes a movie about grief and loss that doesn't feel at all like a Marvel movie, but then they throw these things in here, like you said, to tease future projects and, I don't know, just bring back familiar faces. And I'm like, oh, now it feels like a Marvel movie all of a sudden. So it's kind of at like odds with itself. And that's also how I felt about some of the action sequences. Like I could have kind of done like a whole political, like uh back and forth between Wakanda and Talokan the entire movie. I think that would have been fascinating. But whenever they start throwing an action, I'm like, oh, this doesn't look very good. And now it just feels like kind of a run-of-the-mill Marvel movie. So anyway, before I start spoiling stuff, I, I really did enjoy this movie quite a bit. But basically, my main negative is just how some of the side characters were handled and some of like the B and C plots I don't think really worked at all. And some of them I thought were quite bad. But overall, the movie and the main plot stand like on its own and the performances are so good. Um, I really enjoyed it. So it's definitely up there for me. Yeah, I think I'll take your critique about the BNC plots one step further and just say I, I do think this movie has a major pacing issue um, because we we build story. We get, we get really engaged in the political things that you're talking about. And then we have to cut away to the BNC plots and it just kind of like takes the momentum out of the film. So I think there's a pacing issue here. Um, I also think to your point about taking risks, like 
this movie does take risks and it does try to address themes that we don't see addressed in Marvel movies. The only issue is this is the sequel to Black Panther, which took even bigger risks with the story. It was way more interesting and to your, to your point in the intro addressed real world issues and colonialism and stuck the landing on everything in that film. So I think like being compared to Black Panther 1, this is definitely a step down. Um, obviously, that comes with the loss of Chadwick Boseman and everything else um, that goes with that. But just having to compare this as a sequel to, to its predecessor, this is definitely a step down from Black Panther 1, I think. I think I'd have to let it simmer a little bit more, but I think ultimately I do agree that this is not as good as the original. I think the original, like it does feel grand. It does feel different than most MCU projects, and it does take risks to your point. Um, and I don't think there's many like lows in that one. I'm not the biggest fan of the action in that movie, but I also feel the same way about this one. So, you know, yeah, I think ultimately I would agree. Um, not as good, but it sounds like I, I enjoyed it a lot more. So I think that's just going to make our spoiler conversation even more interesting. I think the last thing I want to call out before we get into spoilers is I'm really noticing um, the endgame effect in this movie specifically in, in a negative way. And what I mean by that is is the Black Panther franchise and these characters are people who have been involved um, with the MCU before we got to Endgame, before we got to the snap, before we got to all that stuff. And it feels like this huge event in this universe in Endgame had little to no impact on this world, like checking back in with these characters for the first time since Endgame. And I wanted more of that. I know that's what the story was supposed to be before Chad McBodeman passed away. Um, but it, it does kind of feel like this is so unconnected from these huge events we've seen in the past of the MCU. Hmm. It's weird. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, I think if like an endgame level event, you know, the blip, as it were, if that happened in real life, I mean, there would be even after people came back, there would be like long term <laughs> consequences and effects. I feel like like our world would focus on that. So at times it's weird when these phase four projects don't acknowledge it more. But for me, I think I kind of give it a pass because I don't know. They very easily could address it in every single project, but I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of glad that we're moving on from Endgame, even though I do agree with you. Like, it is weird that it doesn't come up more. Um, I guess for me personally, I think we've gotten like enough like references and like little bits and pieces of like the post snap world. So um, I'm fine with it. But I, like I said, I, I am acknowledging that I think you're right. It, it is odd sometimes when it doesn't come up more. A lot of the times I just feel myself going, are these people going to talk about the blip? Because like half of their people disappeared and like, um, you know, we get the new kingdom in here. Like, were they impacted? Like, they don't address it at all. So there's oh, there's yeah. just a lot of things that like it has to raise. Uh, th there's a lot of questions that get raised with Endgame kind of being in the rearview mirror now. Yeah, I don't even think about that with like Telecon and all that. Very interesting. Um, anyway, um, I guess, you know, with that, let's go ahead and get into spoilers. Awesome. Is there any just last things we need to say before we move on? Sounds like I would definitely recommend not only people see it, but go check it out in theaters because, you know, it's so visually stunning and you know the cinematography is great. But anyway, anything else you want to, you know, get into before we move on here? I still think this is worth going to theaters for. Um, it's, it's still a nice return to. Uh, the Wakanda story of the MCU. And overall, it's still a very good movie. It's just for me, I came away a little bit underwhelmed, um, but I still think it's worth seeing in theaters. All right. Well, there you go, everybody. Um, if you have not seen Black Panther Wakanda Forever, go check it out and then come on back for our spoiler conversation. All right, Austin, here we are in spoiler territory. Let's get started. How about you hit me with uh, the crew side of the cast and crew here? 
All right, so Black Panther Wakanda Forever is, of course, directed by Ryan Coogler, who also did the first Black Panther. Um, you may also know him from Fruitvale Station and Creed. Uh, it's written by Coogler and then Joe Robert Cole. And our score for the film is composed by Ludwig Gordonson, uh, who is a frequent collaborator of Coogler's and is also known for Tenet and The Mandalorian. Then we got a big cast here, some returning people, some new faces. Let's get into it. Of course, we have Letitia Wright as the new lead. She plays Shuri, a.k.a. Black Panther. Angela Bassett as Queen Ramonda. Lupita Nyong'o as Nakia. Denai Guerrera as Okoye. Winston Duke as M'Baku. Florence Kasumba as Ao. Dominic Thorne as Riri Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart. Michaela Cole as Anika. We also got Martin Freeman back as Everett Ross with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. We can't get enough of her as Valentina. She's back once again. Uh, we had a fun uh, cameo and a powerful one, I thought, from Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. And introducing a guy that I'm a big fan of already, Tenacuerta Magia as Namor. So with that, there you go. That's our cast and crew. Austin, any specific call-outs here? Can be positive, can be negative. Who do you want to give a quick shout-out to? Yeah, I think my main highlight is actually going to be uh, Ludwig Gordonson's score for this movie, and specifically whenever he is um, using kind of the theme of the people of Talicon, uh, the way they like move and, and the um, very unnerving score that plays whenever they are in combat um, really kind of creeped me out a little bit, and I kind of enjoyed the horror vibes that came from that. And then I also want to give a shout out to Angela Bassett as Queen Ramonda. Um, she gives, I, I think, one of the most emotional performances in this film. Uh, she has a very moving speech about halfway through the film about how all of her family is gone. And I really got like the emotional weight of T'Challa's death uh, from her character specifically. Yeah, those are definitely two of mine. I hope the score just in like every scene was just killer and Angela Bassett really. Yeah, I, I, I always wanted more of her in the MCU because I thought she was so good in the first Black Panther. And this is just a display of how great she is. She's so good in this movie. Uh, for me, I guess I already kind of teased it, but Tenacuerta, I thought. Namor was a fascinating character, definitely a, a kind of like Killmonger. I wouldn't even call him a villain necessarily. He's just a really great antagonist. He is just a powerful force opposing to Shuri and the people of Wakanda. I thought his performance was perfectly brooding, but also had like moments of levity. And I don't know. I just thought he was like thrilling to watch. I thought he was so good in the character, like the way he moves and just, I don't know, just everything really, really enjoyed this performance. Yeah, I think I agree with you uh, about Namor. Honestly, I think Ryan Coogler should write a lot more of the villains for the MCU because he's given us two now of, of some really interesting Marvel villains. Um, I found myself at times with Namor, like I could see his point of view and was almost on his side at points, which I thought was really cool. Um, I, I do think there are points of this character where it's like, I'm willing to talk to you, but then the next step for him is war. Like, it feels like there should be a few more steps in between his thought process. But overall, I thought he was great for the majority of the film. Agreed. I'm definitely interested to talk with you more about kind of like little character motivation moments and stuff like that. Because um, there was some I didn't love. But anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit here. Let's move on to the critical reception. You know what Austin and I think. Let's see what everybody else is saying. So Black Panther Wakanda Forever received positive reviews and currently has an 84% over on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus is a poignant tribute that satisfyingly moves the franchise forward. Black Panther Wakanda Forever makes an ambitious and emotionally rewarding triumph for the MCU. 
Lots of praise here. Critics were very thrilled with Coogler's direction, visual effects, performances, particularly of Bassett and Huerta, character development, cinematography, musical score, emotional weight, <laughs> the tribute to Bozeman, and the serious tone of focusing on grief as opposed to some of the lighter fare we've gotten recently. Uh, some of the negatives I found were people weren't as high on the action sequences and then some of the stuff we already talked about, like the use of some of the side characters here. I do think the CGI in this movie is... It's passable for the most part, but from what we've seen in Marvel, like there there was a lot of times where I was like, "Ooh, that doesn't look very good." Um, so I think that's definitely one of the bigger critiques I agree with. Yeah, there's some stuff that stands out as incredible, like the fact that Talokan almost looks practical, if that makes sense. Like it almost looks like they built an underwater city and they shot the movie there. Like that's like such high praise. It looks amazing. Uh, but then you know you, you contrast that to like the third act action sequences with. Some of the stuff of Black Panther jumping around and then seeing like Namor like do these crazy dives. But then you like see the green screen in the background. I don't know. So it's like there's moments that are so good, like visually. And then there's moments like that, like you said, that kind of go, OK, yeah, there's another like a moment that took me out of the movie and made me go, OK, now it just looks like another MCU project. So another praise they mentioned is the tribute to Chadwick Boseman. And, and I agree that's a very powerful part of the film. I guess this is a good spot to ask this, but. They have the opening Marvel intro with all of Chadwick's scenes, and I thought that was very moving and a great start to the film. Do you think we could have kept that and then still recast Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa and told the story that was originally planned for this movie? Or do you think they needed to address the fact that, like, do you think they needed the real world passing to be in this film? So I've always kind of understood both sides here. You know, there's people that... um feel that what the filmmakers did was the respectful move of, you know, Chadwick died in real life. So, you know, we'll have T'Challa, the character that he played, also pass, and then we will make a movie around that. You know, that'll be kind of the jumping off point and focusing on that. So I totally understand that line of thinking. And then I've also understood, you know, people on the other end that have wanted T'Challa recast, because if you don't recast him, then we're missing out on potential great T'Challa Black Panther stories that we could get in the future. I mean, T'Challa is a character that means a lot to a lot of people. So the fact that that character is now being written out, you know, to be respectful to the real life passing, um, we're not going to get those stories. So I understand, you know, people wanting it recast. And like I said, I always understood both sides. But the thing that's kind of cool about this movie, and I think Ryan Coogler, you know, he was obviously close friends with Chadwick in real life. I think what they did here felt, I don't know, it felt powerful to me because this is going to be a weird thing to say, but it's almost like they got to have their cake and eat it too, because we got a movie that was, like I said, respectful to Chadwick's passing, and they acknowledge that in the film with T'Challa. But then at the end, you know, skipping all the way to the end here, we get the mid-credit scene where it's revealed that you know T'Challa and Nakia had had a child that they had raised outside of Wakanda, and that child, you know, the Wakandan name is T'Challa. So, in a weird way. They kind of got to do both. Like, obviously, you know, this kid is not playing, you know, T'Challa, but there's legacy there. So in the future, this kid could be a big part of a sequel or could be a Black Panther in the future. So it's like we are going to get T'Challa stories. It's just not the T'Challa that we expected, but that legacy is still there. So I'm kind of happy with this because they got to do their respectful tribute. But then we also have a future here that feels, you know, natural. So I'm kind of happy with it. Like at some points, like, in like the production, I was like, maybe they should have recast, but oh, maybe this was the right thing to do. Uh, but I'm glad they kind of did both here. It ended up working out for me. Yeah, I think I'm with you for the most part. The reason this is on my mind is because Coogler was, was doing press for the movie and was asked about what 
His original script was, and, and this is what he said, he said the original version of the script would have explored T'Challa dealing with resuming life after the blip and grieving the loss of time after being gone for five years. And reading that, I was like, man, that sounds like a really cool story that I would have wanted to explore with T'Challa's character because he's king and the leader of people and being gone for that long, like how did that impact him? So that's why this is on my mind. I, I think they did do the respectful thing, but I still am very interested to see how um, the blip and everything did impact the people of Wakanda and T'Challa specifically. I hear you. I'm, I'm curious if some of like the spinoff series they're proposing with Wakanda will deal with some of those things. But I don't know. I guess like the further we get away from Endgame, it feels less and less natural to bring it up. So like, you know, like a couple of years from now, if there's like a Wakanda based show, do we need to address it? I don't know. Maybe. So it's I don't know. It's that weird thing where it's like we're now in the multiverse saga and like they're moving forward to new things and new villains and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I'd be curious if we ever get to find out kind of the like Wakandan side of the blip and all that. Alrighty. So with that, how about we go ahead and just get into our roundtable discussion. This is the bulk of our show where each of us bring a few points, uh, highlight some things that we really want to get into and talk about more in depth. So Austin, I guess you want to start us off here? Yeah, let's start it off with Shuri. Um, she gets the tough job of going from the fun comic relief side character to the full lead now of the Black Panther franchise, at least for the sequel. Uh, overall, what did we think of Shuri's character arc in this film? I thought it was really good. I thought it was at times powerful, at times badass. I was curious going in, like, how are they going to make Shuri the Black Panther? Just because I was assuming that was exactly what was going to happen. And it is. So in that sense, it's like not super. I mean, it is super predictable, I guess you could say. But I don't know. I thought the arc was really good. I liked seeing where she was at in the beginning, you know, trying to save her brother and not being able to. And then, like, we move forward a little bit in time and that grief isn't even there necessarily because she's not letting herself mourn. And then like as Namor and that, you know, all that stuff gets involved in the movie, we start to see that because she isn't mourning in like a healthy way, she starts to get angry and then her mom dies and that loss is compounded. And then she starts to feel like she wants revenge. And then of course she goes to the ancestral plane and She's not seeing her brother. She's not seeing her mom. She's seeing Killmonger, who's the one person that's going to encourage that vengeance. And I liked that, you know, she was like, I'm going to kill Namor. And it's like, oh, man, I, this is this is fucked up, but I get it. Um, and then seeing her kind of echo her brother's sentiments from Civil War. One of my favorite lines in the entire MCU is whenever uh, T'Challa is going to kill Zemo, who orchestrated Iron Man and Captain America's fights. And he says... Uh, vengeance is consuming them. I'm done letting it consume me. And then he prevents Zemo from killing himself so he can pay for his crimes. Uh, and seeing Shuri echo that same sentiment to Namor, but not only talking for herself. I love that she was like, we can't let this vengeance consume us. We are, you and I are both feeling so much pain because of like the loss we have felt in our lives, but we can't let that pain allow us to become vengeful and burn the world down as they both echoed at different points in the movie. Um, I thought it was a powerful arc. I really enjoyed it. I thought Letitia Wright kind of nailed it, honestly. I thought she was funny when she needed to be. Like, it didn't feel like that kind of goofy comic relief from the first movie and like the Avengers movies was gone. Like, it was still there. Um, but then there was tons of serious moments, emotional moments. I thought she did a great job. The only thing I'll disagree with with what you said is I actually thought they moved too far into the seriousness. And, and I actually noticed some of the comic relief and the funness of her character was missing in this film. Um, it's something I've become so accustomed to with the way she's appeared in the other Avengers projects and in Black Panther 1. Like, Black Panther 1 is a very serious um, and, and emotional story, 
but it still is very fun and very comical at points. And a lot of that comes from Sherry's character. And that I felt like was kind of missing in this film, which maybe is contributing into why I'm feeling like this is a little bit too different and less than from the first one. I do think overall, though, Letitia Wright, she got a very tough job in this film. She signed on to be a supporting character, and now all of a sudden she's the lead. Um, I thought she did a great job overall. Um, Her interactions with her mother, her interactions with Okoye, with Nakia, all that I thought was fantastic. And I I really also liked her kind of mentor relationship with Riri Williams. Yeah, I like that she became the focal point. Not only was she the main character, but it's like she got to branch off and have these great interactions with almost every other character. I also really liked the kind of continuing relationship with her and M'Baku, who's now becoming more of an advisor um, and seeing their different points of view, I thought was really cool. Um, I just love Winston Duke in general. I thought he was great in this movie as well. I wanted more of him, though. He was yeah. had way too little screen time. I was really hoping he would step into a larger supporting role in this film. Mm-hmm, for sure. But yeah, let's go back for a second there, because you were talking about the tone sounds like that was a big thing for you in this movie. And obviously, with the nature of what it's about, it's a bit more serious than a lot of the other MCU projects. So I don't know. Let's talk about that a little bit more. I mean, what worked about this tone? You said that, you know, with like Shuri in general, you kind of missed some of those moments. Obviously, in this movie for the story, it makes sense why it's not happening. But I don't know. Let's just talk about kind of the tone and the different one this takes and what you liked about it and what, you know, they could have done differently here. I still think overall I enjoyed the tone and I enjoyed that we got to see characters actually grieving, like the loss of their son, the loss of their brother, the loss of their protector. Um, I, I thought all of that was really great tributes to T'Challa himself. I guess I just think they leaned too much into the seriousness um, and, and the grief of this. Like That's kind of the entire tone for the entire movie. And they have shown us how fun and light these characters can be as well. And so I, I was hoping there'd be kind of more of a balance there. It felt like they went too too strong in one direction for this entire film. I think because I think I'm on the opposite end of it. I think I really liked how they did it. I liked how they kind of kept Shuri because Shuri felt like the same character to me. It's just that she's going through something completely different, I guess, if that makes sense, than we've ever seen her have to deal with before. So I still felt like she was that goofy character at heart and at moments we see it come out, which, you know, felt cool um like my favorite sequence my favorite sequence is when shuri and okoye go to retrieve yeah. riri for the first time that I feels assumed, yeah. fun but then it seems like as soon as we're back in with namor or with the broader wakandan people like it feels like her character just instantly shifts back to being solemn and kind of moody you're not wrong i mean that is definitely true but, but the thing the reason it worked for me is like yes shuri was that way because she's dealing with the loss of her brother but and obviously ramanda's that way as well but there are so many other characters, whether they be returning or new, that kind of filled that gap that there were still plenty of moments that, you know, made me laugh, made me chuckle or just, you know, made me feel good. Like Riri Williams, we're going to talk a lot more about her, I'm sure. But that's kind of how she functioned. She almost felt like the Shuri role from the original movie. Uh, M'Baku, like you said, not enough of him, but he's still I love this character. He's like. He's so introspective, but he is just so funny without really trying. So I don't disagree with what you're saying, but to me, there was so many side characters and I don't love what they did with all of them. But a lot of them, I think, filled kind of that quirky, funny or just goofy role that it never felt like that from the first movie was lost in this one. It's just, yes, this is a long movie that does primarily tackle that grief and loss. But there was enough like funny things here that I thought it was a good balance for me, I guess, is what I'm saying. I think what I'm realizing as as we're talking more about this is I actually think the main thing I didn't like about this movie was the one year later time jump. Um, Because we see 
the funeral, we see all the grief, we see the kind of the immediate impact of the child's death. And that's the opening of the film. And then they cut a year later and it, it feels like we missed out on a lot of what the characters are going through in the moment and the like immediate aftermath of the child's death. Mm. To be honest, I didn't even really think about it. It wasn't something that really, you know, stuck out to me. Um, but I could see that. I guess it would have been interesting if they had, like, if the Namor conflict happened, like, closer to T'Challa's death, I guess. That, that would have certainly been interesting and, and a different movie, for sure. They take T'Challa's death, and then they go one year later, and then that's when they tell us everyone's fighting for our resources. And that just felt so, like just unimportant to me. Like, I, I didn't really care about the resource thing. I like the idea that people know Black Panther is gone, so they think Wakanda is vulnerable. That's really interesting to me. But I think just because we have that one-year time jump, like, it's, it's a lot of characters telling us stuff that we didn't see happen yet. And I, I kind of wanted to see more of the immediate impact of T'Challa being gone. Yeah. I guess another reason why I was on the opposite end and it worked for me is we got to see, of our side characters, we got to see them processing it differently. Like, it was even interesting for Amanda to come in after that, you know, first of all, that intro that we're talking about was, I thought, pretty exceptional with um, handling T'Challa's death, like, in the moment, and then the funeral, and then, at least in my theater, whenever that, you know, the Marvel Studios intro played with just all of the Black Panther and uh, Chadwick Boseman imagery and visuals, like, it, you could hear a pen drop in the theater. Yeah, it was same in like, my theater. completely silent. It was very powerful. Um, but yeah, then after that, like, with the one year later... Um, it worked because Shuri, like I mentioned earlier, she has not processed this at all. Like her mother even tries to get her to by uh, doing that ritual where they burn uh, the clothing that they were wearing uh, during the funeral as a way to, you know, we are moving on. That's what it symbolizes. And Ramonda has moved on. She's obviously still completely broken up and she has one of like the all timer MCU moments where she like banishes Okoye and she's talking about how she's lost everything and she's given everything. It's like, oh, man, like just so strong. So she is still dealing with it, but she is kind of starting to move on. But Shuri isn't. And then we get to see the other characters, like the degree to which that they have moved on or not moved on. Whenever Nakia comes into the movie, we get to see more of that. So I, I hear what you're saying with like the one year later, like they probably could have explored a movie like where this conflict took place like closer to like when T'Challa died. But I think it was it didn't bother me because we got to see of all of these characters, they were all processing it very differently. And I think it worked uh, having the main character be Shuri because she hasn't processed it yet. And that's kind of part of her arc. So one year later didn't bother me, but I hear what you're saying. I think the other piece too of the tone and, and the way it kind of the grief impacts some of the characters in this film, I think there's a lot of kind of rash and nonsensical decisions in this movie. Like you mentioned where Koya gets banned by Ramonda. That's a great and powerful speech, but her banishing her and stripping her of her title felt like a very extreme jump to what had just happened because Ramonda agreed to let Shuri go with Okoye. And that's kind of the only reason she gives for banishing her and stripping her of her title. And we've seen how important Okoye is and how much she's given to this kingdom. Another thing too is, is like I mentioned with Namor, like I totally understand that he doesn't want his civilization found by the outside world. It makes a lot of sense. But Wakanda is trying to meet with him and rationalize with him, and his only next step for everything is war. And then sending with the Americans. Like, the Americans, I think, are the dumbest people in this film, because we've seen how much Wakanda has contributed to the global society. We've seen how much they've helped out with Thanos and everything. And now they're, trying, they're making plans to try and steal their vibranium. Like, I think there's a lot of just dumb character decisions in this movie too that did not feel very natural to me 
I agree with you with the, with the word dumb. Like it, it is dumb, but that's kind of what I liked about it because it felt real to me. I think this would all happen if this happened in real life. Like, like you said, I think the U.S. and all these other you know uh, representatives of their respective countries they acknowledge. I'm sure behind closed doors, like Ramonda says, they do acknowledge like how much you know T'Challa, Black Panther, and Wakanda, like how much they have contributed and done for the world since you know, revealing themselves. I think they would all agree with that. But T'Challa's dead and they see a vulnerability and they can go, okay, yeah, we could, you know, make ourselves better. So it's fucked up, but I think it's kind of real and I appreciated that. I loved when uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus' character was like, Martin Freeman was kind of on the opposite side of that. And he's like, you know, they're good people. Like, I mean, and she and she just talks about like, I fucking dream of if that meteorite had landed in the U.S., what we would do with it. And it's like, oh, man, yeah. That's another piece, though, where I think the one year later hurts the film is because we haven't seen any of those debates of like, man, we really appreciate Black yeah. Panther, but we need that vibranium. Like, we, we didn't get to see any of that. So it just felt very True. forced and rushed to me. Yeah, I hear you. I guess it just worked because I... Just, yeah, I thought it was kind of, it would have been true to life. So I thought that was kind of cool. With the Okoye one, it's funny because that's another example of one that I really liked because I was, I agreed with uh, the other person on the council that was like, oh, Queen Ramonda, isn't this a little hasty? <laughs> so they, they acknowledge it in the movie. Uh, but the reason I liked it is even though I agreed with that guy, um, in that scene, she has lost everything. And there is a chance that she has now lost her other child. And so does it make sense to script a quiet? No, because Shuri volunteered to go. So that was up to her. Um, but I think she, Ramonda is just so overcome and she has given so much and it's not appreciated that she is just, you know, taking it out on a Koya. She shouldn't, but that's what happened. So I, that's another scene that I really liked. I agree with you, uh, but it worked for me in that sense. And then the Namor stuff we're going to get into because I liked a lot of it. And I was actually okay. I think you said this earlier with like the um, his vendetta against the surface world and like things are starting to boil up. So he's now more than ever starting to feel like maybe we do need to take out the surface. Um, they didn't feel that way before. But now, you know, with where things are getting and like they are at risk of being exposed, they feel that they have to do something about it. So that worked for me. The thing that didn't and this kind of ties into some of these side character talk that we'll get into, I'm sure, after this. But I just didn't like that the only thing in between. Like you said, like where they're at now and war was the scientist. You got to let me kill the scientist. That was the element. I was like, this is stupid. I don't like this. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was dumb. And it kind of leads into my opinion on Riri Williams, the use in the movie. I really like Dominique Thorne. I thought she did a great job, but you could have literally cut her out of the movie and it wouldn't have made a difference. So the only change you would have needed to make is just instead of having her be the scientist, just have Lake Bell's character, the, the one that comes to the, the ship, just have her be the scientist. Like they already say that yeah. they're scientists. So that was the element of the movie that didn't really work for me. And it just kind of felt like they put her in here because we know she's getting a Disney Plus show and we want to give her, you know, a fun intro. And because of that, that's where things start to get muddied because then you drop her in the movie and it's like, well, we have to justify it. So now Namor is like just all of a sudden he's so overcome about I'm killing the scientists. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, it just, I don't know. It just was kind of goofy. So I guess what I'm saying is with all those scenes you mentioned, I'm kind of on the opposite end, but with the Namor stuff, I can definitely see it. It does feel rushing to judgment potentially that whenever you throw in the scientist element, like it's just all he talks about. It's like, that's where it starts to lose me a little bit. I also think you could have cut the Ross and Valentina 
Completely scenes agree. out of this film too and you would have saved a ton of time because every time we cut to them it's like just take me back to Sherry and Namor like that's what I'm more interested in could not agree more um I really liked seeing Martin Freeman and Julia Louis-Dreyfus like their interactions were good and it was like just a fun now that we're seeing uh Valentina a lot more and a lot more frequently it was fun to know that Ross this character that we've seen like several times up to this point like they are exes like that was kind of just a fun little dynamic that I enjoyed but it became so clear to me after they introduced Martin Freeman. Um, he was useful and made sense to the plot initially. But then the more scenes we got with him, I was just like, oh, he's really just in this movie because he was in the last one. Like, this doesn't yeah. make any sense. They could have written out this character completely. Not No shade to Martin Freeman. I like him. But like you said, we didn't need it. And I, that's how I feel about the Riri Williams stuff, too. Uh, that one wasn't as egregious, but they could have cut it out. Whenever you have these two big storylines uh, that take up a lot of the movie, that's where I start to get annoyed that the movie is two hours and 45 minutes long because um, you could have cut that easily and had a shorter movie that I think would have felt tighter. Alternatively, what I would have preferred is you cut those characters out and give that 25 minutes to the other side characters that needed it more uh, to build them out because they're actually useful and important to the plot, um, but we didn't get to see enough of them. So that's where... I was uh, kind of disappointed. That's that's my biggest problem with the movie. I know you mentioned uh, some of the stuff with the tone and like the one year jump is the things that you like the least. The things that I liked the least were those two storylines and how that kind of impacted the side characters that I wanted to see more of. Okay, so we've mentioned her a few times now. Um, Reeve Williams or Ironheart in this film. Um, I know we've talked about how her involvement felt a little clunky, but overall, let's talk about what we got from the characters. So what were your favorite parts about Riri Williams in this movie? I just, I mean, like I said, was she necessary for the plot? No, I don't think so. But that doesn't change the fact that I thought Dominique Thorne did a really good job. I thought she was really funny, uh, added to some of that levity that I think was needed at times in the movie. So are there any like individual scenes that really stand out? Not necessarily. I just thought her presence was uh, light and kind of fun. Uh, so I appreciated that. Um, I thought the suits looked pretty bad, and I thought the action with Ironheart was also bad. So that was a, kind of also contributed to me being like, why is this character in this movie? Um, but I did still appreciate the reference to Iron Man 1 whenever she flies up really high in the sky, and then her suit kind of uh, you know falls apart. Kind of felt like a reference to whenever you know Tony went for his first flight, and then he started to freeze and then fell. I was like, oh, okay, that was kind of cute, but... That's really all I can say. Really, it was just more of like a general. There wasn't like an individual scene. It was just that general feeling of levity that she brought uh, that I appreciated was really kind of the main thing with her. Yeah, I think I'll echo you. My my favorite thing about her was that she was the funniest part of the movie to me. Um, she had me chuckling a few times, and that was that was stuff I thought was sorely missing from the overall film. So I liked every time she was on screen. Um, the best thing I can say too is I'm extremely excited now for her Disney Plus show. Can't yeah. wait to spend more time with this character. Um, can't wait to learn more about her, and I. I hope we kind of get to see a bit more about why she was building an Iron Man suit um, and, yeah. and things like that. Like, I'm very interested in that. Yeah, I'm excited, too. Even though I didn't love the uh, use in this movie, um, I am excited for like a story just focused on her. That could be really cool. And I, I actually did like the suit. I thought it was fun. It was okay. different from what we've seen from Iron Man in the past. Um, I thought I liked the design of the suit. I didn't necessarily like the CGI looked for the suit. So I, I hope they gotcha. kind of refine that in the future. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I guess the other, you know, huge character to talk about, Namor, we've talked about him a lot. So I guess instead of focusing in on him, what do you kind of think about Talo Khan in general, which also feels like a pretty huge addition, not only to this movie, but the MCU, Namor's kind of involvement with that. 
And then another kind of disappointing thing for me is like the cool thing about Black Panther is that movie, I think, did such a great job introducing the side characters and built them out in a cool way that I was excited to see more of them in the future. The one another kind of misstep for me is that Namor is so fascinating and so good. But Talokan does not feel built out yet because they didn't spend any significant time with any of the other characters there. There's Namora and there's Atuma, who Atuma's the one that keeps fighting Okoye. But there's just no like dialogue really from them. Nothing interesting, no like like contradicting points really with Namor. So it just it was disappointing to me that Talokan does not really have anybody interesting in it as of yet, except Namor. So it doesn't feel like a like a full world. It looks beautiful, but it's disappointing that like there's just not kind of a built out thing there because we didn't get to really meet or spend time with any of the other characters. What do you kind of think of a Talokan, Namor, all that stuff? Yeah, that was the best part about Black Panther 1 was it was such a world building, like history giving movie for the MCU. Like it was a fully built out and established world with its own past, with its own future, with its own heroes. And with Talokan, we spent more time um, in a cave than we did in the actual city and like getting to learn about it. So I was disappointed in that. I, I liked what we saw. It was very beautiful. The underwater sun I thought was super cool. Oh, yeah. um, I did just want to learn more about the city and the way it functions, like them moving through those really fast ocean currents I thought was super cool. I also wanted to learn more about the abilities of the Taliconian people because they have that like weird hypnotic siren thing uh, that they sing to people. Yeah. And they never fully like flesh that out. Um, so there's a lot of stuff I'm interested in, but I thought wasn't very effectively explained in the movie. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. The siren song stuff I thought was so cool. Maybe like one of the most eerie moments in the MCU is the uh, the scene with Lake Bell on the boat whenever like one by one their heads start to pop out of the water. And then the song plays and they all just start, you know, killing themselves. Like, oh, my God. like So good. You are right, though. It would have been nice to get a little bit more of that. It was goofy that by the end of the movie, it was just like they would start singing and then you would just see other characters go, put in your earbuds. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was really all it kind of amounted to. I also wanted them to explain their tech a bit more because they kept yeah. kind of trying to tell us that they were such a threat to Wakanda. but. We've seen how um, technologically advanced the Wakandans are than the rest of uh, society, like the rest of Earth. It honestly felt like the biggest thing the Talaconians had was just their water grenades. Like, I didn't really see anything yeah. else that looked drastically different from the Wakandans. Yeah, I would have liked a little bit more of that, too, because it was really awesome that they basically, the Wakandans had kind of their lore, so to speak, uh, shattered because they find out that there's another a vibranium meteorite that landed in the ocean, which became the basis for Talokan. So they also have vibranium. And I liked whenever, can't remember who, maybe it was Shuri brought up, like, this is different than anything else we've faced before because we are going up against an army that also has, like, raw and pure vibranium. So how's that going to go? And then ultimately, you're right. It really just felt like it was all about the water grenades, which looked really cool and I liked them, but that was really it. And then I think they also mentioned that Namor's, like, spear was, like, pure vibranium. So there was like cool stuff that came of that, but that was that was kind of it. I would have liked a little bit more about their tech as well. And then also just like going back to I think what you mentioned, like some of like the movement and like the the currents and stuff kind of made me think. I, I just I love when characters move in a unique way. I know that's kind of weird to say, but the way Namor fights and the way he like is in the water and then he also has the winged feet. So the way he flies and like his, just his combat and like aerial stuff in general, I thought looks so cool. Yeah, that was awesome. I can't wait to see that in the future because we'll definitely see more of him. 
I also really loved the way the Taliconians moved out of the water, like when they're climbing structures. It looks like they're mm-hmm. still floating, um, like they're so light, I'm assuming, that they can move a lot faster up stuff. And I, I always thought that looked very unnerving. So I know we've uh, talked a lot about kind of the side characters and how some of it worked and some of it didn't. There was just some weird stuff, particularly going on in the second half, where I think we needed more time with some of the, the characters. Like Okoye has the great moment where, you know, she gets exiled. And then it's weird that she's not involved really in the rest of the movie until they introduce these really terrible looking suits. And it's like Ironheart's already in the movie. So there was like weirdness there. Like Okoye was so integral to the movie and then she just isn't. And then she has to wear a suit. And then we also get to meet Anika, who cool vibes. Thought she was fun. Michaela Cole did a a good job there. Enjoyed that performance. But why was she in this? And then she gets to wear a suit at the end with Okoye. I was like, Okay. And then Florence Kasumba is Ao, who we've seen so many times in the MCU. Uh, probably her most significant thing was the Bucky flashbacks in Falcon and Winter Soldier. And she's just like a character that feels like they cut all her dialogue. She's just like standing in the background of scenes. I was like, that's weird. Well, we couldn't get anything there. Mbaku, I think everything they did with him was great, but I just would have liked more scenes. So I guess what I'm getting at is like, I really wish we could have cut out some of that stuff we didn't need because that would have given us like 25 minutes to give to these other characters. Uh, it would have been great to have Okoye have like a couple extra scenes in the second half of the movie just to, you know, feel like she's still important to what's going on. Nakia, I would have liked to get a couple more like just dialogue or like introspective moments before the final battle because when we get to the final battle, we just see her throwing her rings around and she's not really doing or saying anything. It's like, oh, I wish we would have gotten more. So I couldn't shake that feeling that like, the side characters that we liked and were important to the movie, they needed more scenes. They needed a bit more dialogue. So that's why I was annoyed that we had all the stuff in the movie that we didn't need because we have so much like time we could have played with that we could have given to them. I don't know. I, I just can't like shake it. Like literally my biggest problem with the movie is just like we needed to spend time with Martin Freeman. Really? I like the guy. Why aren't we spending more time in Wakanda with the characters that we love? So it just it, it annoyed me, to be honest. Yeah. Also, I don't think everyone's been like. Wow, I, I can't wait to go see my favorite character in Black Panther, Everett, Everett Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody, when they found out Black Panther 2 was announced, was like, wow, I really hope Everett Ross is in the movie. <laughs> Everett. <laughs> Mom, can you take me to Spirit Halloween? I gotta go. I have to pick up my Everett Ross costume. It's just a sweatpants and a t-shirt. Mm, we didn't need it. <laughs> All right, Austin, well, before we close out, let's kind of do like a general third act slash ending conversation. Uh, I'll kind of hand it over to you. What do you want to talk about here? What'd you like? What'd you do? I did actually really enjoy the fi- the final fight between Shuri and Namor. I thought it was a very exciting and yeah. thrilling fight. And the way they, the way you understand the plan they're trying to enact, like they're trying to get him out of the water, dry him out. And the way that fight kind of moves from the ocean to the desert, I thought was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the best part of the movie, like you kind of alluded to earlier, was their final conversation uh, before when, when she has the spear to her neck and she says, Wakanda will protect your secrets, will be your ally, but we have to stop this fight. And I thought that was really powerful. And I really liked Ramonda's voice coming over the top and saying, show him who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, all of that stuff I thought really hit in this movie and really worked. Oh, yeah. I loved all that stuff, too. Uh, I didn't love the fight on the boat. Um, some of it was cool, but I really, it was loved... a cool set piece, yeah. but the fight itself was underwhelming. Yeah. But that's why I like that. We got the, uh, one-on-one black Panther versus Namor fight. Cause I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh my, whenever she did the Wakanda forever thing, which also like turned on the, 
the, like the thrusters of the ship and it burned him. I was like, holy shit, did they just commit to following through and killing Namor? Is he about to, is he getting burned alive right now? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad he didn't. I think it's kind of cool that we have another like Loki or Thanos level villain that is sticking around and you're not 100% sure their motivation. I really like that last scene with Namor whenever he was like painting the mural of, you know, Black Panther and Namor and all that. Um, and then either Namora or someone else comes in and like is about to kind of question him for yielding. And but then it's like I was like, oh, is he going to say like some like cheesy thing of like, they're more like us than we know. We have to rely on them. Uh, he starts to say that. And then he basically acknowledges that we're not out of the game yet. You know, eventually uh, the world is going to come after Wakanda and they're going to have to turn to us because I yielded. And accepted that deal. And then that's when we can maybe strike, maybe take them out for good. Or maybe he is being like, you know, allies are important. I just like that I didn't know for sure. And I like that we're definitely going to see a lot more Tana Cuerta as Namor. Because that last scene was kind of giving me, that was one of the good things that felt like a, like a nice future tease. It didn't feel forced. That was like, okay, that's something I'm actually excited about. I also like that he didn't flip like who he is as a person because yeah. I thought it was going to be very jarring if all of a sudden he's like a kind and benevolent guy who just wants to be friends with the Conda because he spent literally like hundreds and hundreds of years being who he is. So that would have mm -hmm. been a very sharp twist. I like that at the end of the day, his still his only motivation is to um, protect Talakun. He doesn't seem like a character that's going to get involved in other stuff unless it directly impacts Talakun's interests. And so I, I like that we didn't really get away from who this character is by the time the credits wrapped. 100%. I thought, yeah, handled super well. I'm curious what his arc will be like in the future. Uh, some other ending things. Uh, I liked this choice, but I thought it was very oddly, um, what's the word, like portrayed to the audience. So I'm just going to ask what you thought before I kind of give what I thought. But what was your read on the situation where they're like, welcome Princess Shuri, the Black Panther. And then M'Baku walks out and challenges for the throne. What was your read on that scene? My read was that Shuri is fine with inheriting the mantle of Black Panther, but she doesn't want to be queen. So her and M'Baku agreed that he would be the better king for Wakanda right now. Okay. That's the exact same way I read it. Uh, but wasn't it just like a weird scene? <laughs> like it was like. It looked like he was just seizing the throne. Yes. But I, I have to believe they had a conversation about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the plan. She'll be Black Panther and he'll be the leader. But it was odd that there wasn't like a little bit more setup to that. <laughs> so I thought that was a weird ending. It also is weird that the next time we see Shuri, she's in Haiti, which almost seems yeah. like he exiled her out of Wakanda. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I see. Uh, I did really like that Haiti scene uh, for the ending. Like she's, you know, following through on the ritual um, now, like kind of not only for her brother, but for her mom in a sense. And she's finally like grieving in, I think, a healthier way. And I like that being kind of the final moment of the movie. And I like that the mid credit scene brought us right back to it. And meeting um the young T'Challa so I thought that was kind of a great full circle it's like because I think after Ramonda dies uh Shuri's line was really like sad and powerful was she was like that was the last person that truly knew me um and I kind of like the mid-credit scene in the ending being a representation for her that she does have all these people around her that might not be like blood but they are kind of her family uh but then there is still like that family element now she has a nephew so I really liked uh, the ending kind of feeling like a full circle arc for her and then still giving that kind of tease of hope for the future. Like not not all is lost, Shuri. So I really liked that part of the ending. 
I'm excited to see what they do with T'Challa's son yeah. and where that leads to. I did think the scene was weird, especially because it was a post-credit scene. It just felt like we had no sense from the rest of the movie that there could be a, a son of T'Challa out there. So that I thought was weird. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could have just like kept the scene going because like the movie ends and then the mid-credit is almost like a direct continuation of that scene. So they could have just ended it with, you know, T'Challa's son being introduced and then go to credits. But I kind of liked how they did it. And really, honestly, uh, I thought the movie overall, like I've said several times now, was incredibly powerful and emotional. The only moment that kind of got me a little bit teary, and I don't know, maybe I, was just seeing uh, Nakia introduce her son and just the way the kid, the the actor kind of like like smiled and like waved and the way he said hi to her, I thought was just so cute and endearing that it got me almost a little bit misty eyed. So yeah, I really like the scene, but I agree with you. It, it was kind of jarring. Um, it was a great scene. Just I just couldn't help thinking like, okay, this kid's 12. Are they uh, going to do yeah. like another time jump? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the plan? Like, is he going to be a 13 year old Black Panther running around? Like, I just I'm so confused what the plan is for this character. Yeah, I like there's a bunch of options, you know, uh, they're obviously going to do a Black Panther three, I would imagine at some point. Um, and if that comes out in a few years, you know, he'll he'll be older if they keep the same actor. So but yeah, they had tons of options. I mean, they could keep him at that age and then just kind of like have the actor naturally like, you know, grow up and come back for sequels and stuff. And but it's also like they do they do have this growing cast of young characters that a lot of people are assuming will eventually become the young Avengers. I mean, we have like Cassie Lang. We have uh, Wanda's uh, children. We have uh, Kate Bishop. We have Yelena. We have all these like younger characters that are kind of like literally the younger versions of like Avengers that we currently know. So I imagine- Riri Williams. Riri Williams. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I'm imagining they're going to do like a young Avengers project at some point where they all come together and they, you know, take on some villain. And like you could have, you know, the young T'Challa be a part of that. But then it kind of brings up, well, does he have to take the heart shaped herb at some point? Like, when would he become a Black Panther? Do they kind of break with tradition where like Shuri eventually is like, look, I'm, I know I'm not dead or anything, but I know this isn't traditionally how we do this, but we could make you a Black Panther. But maybe you have to wait like 10 years for that or something. And then also to your point, maybe just when we get to like Avengers Secret Wars, they pull another end game and there's like another like five year time skip. So who knows? They could do anything. I'm very curious what they'll do with the young T'Challa at some point because uh, they have tons of options. I guess like my closing thoughts is Black Panther 3 is something I'm certainly looking forward to now more than ever. Um, but I'm curious like what it would be. Is it now that they've done this movie, I feel like a third Black Panther movie could kind of maybe shift the tone back to something that maybe you would like more. Uh, that's more in line with like the first movie uh, because, you know, so much time has passed. Is that what you would hope for? Is like the third one would kind of tell a new story, but retain maybe some of that original tone from the first one? Yeah, I think that's what I would hope for. I, I also hope that with M'Baku being king now that he has a larger role in Black Panther 3. Um, so I'm excited to see what that looks like. I also would just really love to see what it looks like if M'Baku ever took the herb. Like what does his version of Black Panther look like? So there's a, there's a lot of stuff I want to explore with the Wakandan side of the MCU. Um, and, and like I said, I still think this movie is good. It's definitely not bad. I thought it had some tone issues and then the choices it made with how it told its story was what really didn't work for me in this one. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I'm definitely a lot higher on it. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really good. Um, I'm excited for more. And yeah, really just, I don't know, just that side character stuff is the thing that keeps sticking out to me. That's really just where the movie lost me a little bit. 
Um, but that's kind of my my main issue. Like there's like little nitpicks here and there, but nothing really worth, you know, much. Because I thought the highs of this movie were so high. The Sherry stuff and the Namor stuff were so good. It kind of outweighed some of those nitpicks. Just needed uh, some of that sad character stuff tightened up. But for me, it's still an awesome movie. I really enjoyed it. Are you excited for the upcoming Disney Plus Everett Ross show? I am actually, yeah. I'm going to be dressing up as him for every Halloween in the future. And also every time each episode comes out at midnight, I will be dressing up to watch the show because he is truly not only my favorite character, but probably honestly the best and most well-rounded and well-written character that we've not only had in the MCU, but probably cinema in the last 30 years. Well, get excited for Black Panther 3, the Everett Ross story. Oh, my God. <laughs> and like this one is Black Panther Wakanda forever. It's just Black Panther semicolon. I'm Everett. <laughs> <laughs> no no uh all right well before we fully close out here um let's give some awards out austin this is the part of our show the arnie's podcast awards where we just give an award out you know special shout out can be positive can be negative just something that we think deserves specific praise one way or the other what do you got for me yeah i'm gonna give uh the wing clipper award to Ooh. shuri uh, when she cuts off one of Namor's wings, that looked like the most painful thing I've ever seen uh, presented in the MCU movie. Yeah, that was, oof, that was insane. Oh, man. He's never going to fly the same way again. Also, do those grow back? Like, how does that I don't work? Know. I was thinking about that, too. I don't know. I'm going to give one that I'm passionate about because while I was watching the movie in my head, I was like, no. <laughs> but even though it's a serious moment, Austin, I do have to make a little bit fun of it. And the slowest swimmer award goes to Angela Bassett. <laughs> <laughs> there is just something about watching her swim towards Riri and swim back up where I was like, can we not go a little bit faster? Just felt like she needed a bit more pep in her step there. And she paid the price for it, unfortunately. She died. Yeah, it kind of felt like she just wanted to grab some pool noodles and just hang out and float in the water for a little bit. She really, uh, really did not want to put effort into swimming down to get Riri. No, I guess she just wanted to die in that moment. Probably her whole family's dead. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Uh, with that, <laughs> what, a, what a fantastic ending. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. If you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you ever get your podcasts. It really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for another episode. Yeah, and last week, uh, Matt and I put out our thoughts on House of the Dragon, the new Game of Thrones prequel show. We both are pretty high on that first season, so if you want to check that episode out, be sure to scroll back on your podcast feed and give it a listen. That's right. And lastly, we want to hear from you. Message us on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us, thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of Black Panther Wakanda Forever? Are you excited for more Namor? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on the latest episode. So with that, everybody, have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time. I'm Everett. I'm Everett.